welcome back to talks with miri and <laughs> again this episode is so funny to me because it's gonna mix two very contrasting ideas and it's because of the week that i have had and you know what i really wanted to talk about them while it was still relevant to me so i was like okay let's get this show on the road let's talk about them both I feel like I need to do like two separate ad posters for this because it's two very different discussions that I'm going to be talking about. But to get this show on the road, I am going to be talking about marriage, but briefly. And then I'm going to go into my real core hits the spot topic. And it's technology. And not that cliche that, you know, oh my gosh, what is technology going to do to us? No, I'm not trying to get that like trivial or is technology destroying the youth no it's not the vibe that i want i just want to talk about i want to talk about it in a way that's not so cliche but you'll see when you hear it later on so without further ado i will begin and guys literally before i begin talking about marriage i got literally the best 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 drink of my life today from my dear friend bright her mom made it and it's like this hibiscus juice it's like a nigerian drink i wish i knew the name for it but i don't but i do know the health benefits and it's so crazy because it literally it it's like so good but not like you know how when you drink coke or something like a fanta or sprite you'll be like you drink it but you know that you are slowly killing your insides so you don't fully enjoy it you're like 98 percent enjoy it because you know that like 58 year old you is gonna be like man i shouldn't have drank all that well this one is literally 100 percent enjoyment because it doesn't do anything bad to you and it reduces your blood pressure you have lower cholesterol levels it safeguards your liver and a lot of people in this world need that And it improves digestion. And I'm just like, I'm so in awe of it. Like, I love it so much. And I know it has no relevancy, but I just feel like it's important. So if you know someone or you want to get some, um, please, guys, get some. Because this is what it does to the body. Because I'm not even exaggerating. Like, I had some and I feel amazing already. I know it sounds like I'm exaggerating, but I'm not exaggerating. But if I say I'm not exaggerating, then you're going to think, oh, now she's saying she's not exaggerating. (laughs) You know what? Point is, if you can get it, just get some. start with marriage um it's so random it came to me i'm just chilling there and i was just like you know i've never actually because you know how in movies they 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 show the scenario of like this little girl that's been planning out her wedding for ages and i realized you know i've never actually done that and then i was like you know i've never heard my friends particularly females because i'm playing to the stereotype here discuss you know how their wedding would go what they'd wear you know everything in detail the way it's depicted then i was like okay let's go to my male friends like i've never ever ever really heard them to express an interest oh you know what i want to be a husband etc etc so i'm like okay let me just see if other people are gauging this or maybe i'm wrong maybe there's a lot of interest expressed in marriage and i'm just not paying attention so, I did a poll. 
And the poll came back with 87% of people still wanting to get married and 13% not really planning on it. And of course, the notions for yes were, were pretty standard, you know. It's, it's a celebration of love, it's a commitment, it's, it's a celebration of two people acknowledging that, you know what, we're in this for the long run and I want to do this. Then, for the no's, a lot of pessimistic answers, but some good ones too were, one that I liked was that um, wanting to create an establishment of oneself before seeking marriage, so being cemented in your work career, in yourself before seeking it out, and even then it's not entirely something that you need or have to have in your life, and I really liked that one. A lot of people also shared the opinion that a relationship is a relationship. Why does saying I do on a piece of paper um, cement it or prove that it's forever? If you if you get what I mean. Um, one was stating that marriage is like a trap. And another one um, highlighted that the commitment and responsibility of a marriage is huge. And I also really like that one because... I feel like a lot of people don't acknowledge that marriage is a lot of work because I think the difference though between being married and staying in a permanent state of dating, if you will, is that with marriage you're not allowed to quit so easily and that can be a good thing and that can be a bad thing. It can be good in regards to you are more invested in the relationship, however, it can be bad if you have no other choice. You want to leave, you can't afford a divorce, or you were forced into it through an arranged marriage, or a general situation. Or, um, the thing with marriage is it can also, I don't want to say it complicates relationships, but I feel like it ends up toxic when people go in not anticipating the responsibility and commitment required, which is when, you know, all these toxic situations come out and obviously it affects the children and a whole cycle continues because um i may be wrong in saying this but i still believe a lot of marriages even in today's day and age are still um more in favor of the male and still more dominant to his decisions and there's still though it's not as widely practiced as before there's still a large percentage of women who were forced into arranged marriages and i don't know i just find the notion like personally for myself it's been back and forth with me for years there are times where i'm like i never want to get married i don't want to be someone's wife i don't want that responsibility but then i'm also like you know um i do think it's something that i would like and i know it may seem artificial in saying it but i would like it for that stability you know the presentation of an ideal family unit if you will like i would like that very much too at the same time but i will also say that i don't need it i've not planned for marriage i've not factored in at any point in my life that i would need to be in search of a husband i have never really browsed through wedding dresses and selected ones which i found appealing i've just never really bought into it but then again if you've been together five eight ten years and you indeed plan on staying together 
and I'm not saying it has to be an elaborate wedding, but something like eloping then would not make a huge difference to you. I also think that um, my generation, myself included, is one where commitment is something scary to an extent. Because realistically, I think we're the generation which has experienced the most divorces, most, you know, traumatic separations of couples. So, hands down, I can tell you right now that at least three quarters of my friends' parents' relationships, including mine, were not um, ideal situations or ones which would make you want to prioritize marriage in your life. But then, we also shouldn't be that scared of it, but you know it's a cycle and obviously it's going to be very hard to break because a lot of people don't even realize it because this how do i put this the separation of your parents if if they were married and i know this sounds so cliche you know having effects on the children but it's not always as dramatic as the child that acts up and has an attitude but you know it flares up in other ways where now for instance you may never really see yourself being committed to someone or you may spend your lifetime sabotaging those relationships out of fear. But the point being that I I honestly think our generation is one of fear in regards to commitment or because we also have people who are in the media treating marriage as something light, you know? proposed to the other day, married, divorced the next day, married again, divorced again, proposed to again. And it's not something that's just light. It's a huge decision. You, The idea was you're never really supposed to marry three, two people in your lifetime. And I'm not judging people that do, but that was the original construct behind it. Two people get together, rough it out. But the reality is now, it's something very casual. Marriage is just as casual as divorce now. So I don't know. At the end of the day, I find it very hard to summarize my opinions here. I am in support of marriage, but I also understand not wanting marriage or not seeking it as much as the woman before us did. It's a lot of responsibility to be a wife, and it's even more responsibility to be a husband. And I don't know. I don't know, it's a lot of work. I would say that if people are seeking out marriage, just realize that it's not a joke. And that combining of your lives is on a whole nother level. Because they say you never really truly know someone until you've lived with them. And majority of people while they're dating don't live together. It's just maybe they'll spend a couple nights a week and then, you know, propose, engage, and all of a sudden you live together. But for the most part, that's how most relationships are. It's not that common that you'll find a couple living two years together before getting engaged. And that's, like, I want to say crucial, but it's important getting to know each other time. So a lot of people, again, also thrown off the deep end. And not getting enough time to know each other. So then you find out something like their political beliefs differ from yours and you've already changed your last name. And it could be something so disturbing that you're like, I don't think I can do this. Or you might find out that the way you want to raise your children will cause friction. So just know the people... Or the person, Ooh, just know the person that you intend on proposing to. Or people, if you're into polygamy, I mean, do you, you know? Now, now that I know that I've seen like the most confused individual on this subject, I want to talk about the next part of this podcast.
my next part is wow I'm gonna sound like some conspiracy theorist that's been trapped in a bubble for like four months but there's these two shows Black Mirror and then Love, Death and Robots and those two shows absolutely love them if you're into shows that kind of play like a mind game with you and you have to guess what's figuring out and a lot of unexpected endings and you just like having your mind toyed with when you watch shows i definitely recommend those two to you also room 104 like those shows are the, you know different strokes for different folks but i like I like my mind being alert and toyed with and I like being like oh my gosh I didn't see that coming or episodes that leave you thinking about you know the impact of what you do so because you know I'm such a hard worker I've been binge watching um love death and robots and you know black mirror and if you're unaware the premise of both shows kind of well black mirror mainly highlights the danger of technology and it also brings into question like how quickly we follow the leader in a sense and it again taps into the psychology of humans what makes us work why we do this and you know it shows the realities of the human world and in the future and in the past and i don't want to you know delve too much into it because spoilers will accidentally come up but focuses on the danger of technology love death and robots again highlights technology you know dystopian futures or just general peaceful futures and again highlights that we prioritize human relationships plays with your mind etc so it got me thinking you know i was like no 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 this part you'll understand if you watch these shows these shows will leave you feeling as though Life is not real. That's the best way I can phrase it. Or the priorities in your life that you have are whack. That's a better way to say it. Not that life isn't real, but that our priorities are whack. And it also shows how fragile we are. So it makes you... It literally makes you want to throw your phone away. I'm not even exaggerating. And start afresh somewhere new, somewhere quiet, somewhere where you are not in the city of it all. And I was like, that's really interesting. So now I was like... I want to talk about technology, but, you know, not in that way. You know that way they like to talk about technology or trivial and this and this and that and that and whatnot. I was like, let's do something different because these shows highlight on the dangers of technology. I was like, I'm not going to tell you guys the dangers of technology. You know them. So I was like, what about the history of dangerous technology? So I was like, fine. And then I came across... The seven most important times that technology almost destroyed the world. And it started in November 1961. This was a nuclear Armageddon. So, basically, in the 1950s, the US, surprise, surprise, had built a series of, like, warning radar systems, and they were designed to detect Russian nuclear strikes. So these radar systems were linked directly to Strategic Air Command and NORAD, from where the US could basically coordinate a full-scale nuclear assault. So now where did it all go wrong? November 24th, 1961, all communication between the radar sites and Strategic Air Command just went dead. This meant an attack. So to make matters even worse, the SAC discovered that the phone lines were also dead, cutting off their communication with NORAD. Now how close? There were three radar sites that disappeared from the map. B-52 bomber crews started their engines 
ready to launch. Radio contact was eventually made with the B-52 fleet on an airborne alert over Alaska, which confirmed the false alarm. So the cause? It turned out that all radar sites and phone lines were routed through a single relay station in Colorado, which had overheated and shut down. So, almost. Not quite. Almost there. Then October 1962. Another nuclear Armageddon. So this time, we're in the absolute middle of the Cuban Missile Crisis, and the Cold War paranoia is literally at its peak. And a guard at Dual Sector Direction Center spots a shadowy figure climbing up the security fence. Quite rightly, he activated the sabotage alarm. So what happened, the sabotage alarm set off additional alarms at all surrounding Air Force bases. The problem now was that at one base, Volk Field, Wisconsin, the wrong alarm went off. Yep, you guessed it. It was an alarm that signaled the start of World War III. So how close? The timing couldn't have been worse. The US was at DEFCON 3 for the first time in its history and bomber crews were at full readiness. Knowing that there would be no practice drills while DEFCON 3 was in force, a squadron of nuclear-armed F-106A interceptors started to take off. Only a single car racing down the runway and flashing its lights prevented the planes from taking off. So, what caused all of this, you ask? Someone had incorrectly wired the alarm system at the Volk field, and it just mixed up the sabotage siren with the World War III has just started siren, and the original intruder turned out to be a curious bear. Now, November 1979, another nuclear Armageddon. So, at this stage, America and Russia are fighting proxy wars in Afghanistan, South America, and Southern Africa. Whoop whoop. So, tensions high. This is 1979. So, what happened? 8.50 a.m. November 9th, 1979, the Pentagon, NORAD, and the SAC watched in horror as they saw an unmistakable pattern of a Soviet nuclear attack appear on their screens. So launch control centers for America's Minuteman ballistic missiles received a preliminary launch warning and started working through the launch sequences. So how close? For a full six minutes, the entire U.S. military top brass were convinced that they were under a full-scale Soviet nuclear attack. The entire Continental Air Defense Force was put on alert and a number of planes launched. The president's doomsday plane, the National Emergency Airborne, Airborne, sorry, command post also launched. So it caused this. Basically, the missile defense and warning system was stored on a good old-fashioned tape. A careless technician had loaded an attack simulation tape into the system by mistake. Oops. June 1980, nuclear Armageddon. September 1983, nuclear Armageddon. So what, these both have in common. Actually, let me start with the first one, the June 1981. So it was roughly a year after the last false alarm and they experienced another one basically and it just ended up being because a computer chip costing less than 50 cents had failed which caused the error and then in 1983 the russians basically at this stage had developed a missile launch detection system and it was based on satellite monitoring so what caused this was due to a naturally occurring phenomenon around the autumn equinox. Russian satellites, the sun, and the U.S.'s missile fields aligned at exactly the wrong time. Now we have something new. Breath of fresh air from nuclear Armageddon's. June 1992, we have genetically modified crops. So, a European biotech firm had developed a variation of the Klebsiella plantacola bacterium designed to turn food waste into fuel. What happened? 
The genetically modified bacteria was designed to produce ethanol from food waste, with the leftover sludge being converted into fertilizer for use with crops. The U.S.'s Environmental Protection Agency had tested the bacteria thoroughly and had concluded that it posed no harm to humans or the environment, right? How close? Only by chance. An Oregon State University academic decided to test the bacteria in non-sterile soil to monitor the effects. Had a scientific skeptic not tested the bacterium in a real-world scenario, we'd almost probably be dead. But I don't know if it goes for South Africa. Do we... Do we import any food from America? Anyway, the cause when it was tested in non-sterile soil, the planticola killed every single plant it came into contact with. Had the bacterium been released, it would have spread worldwide and destroyed every single plant on Earth. That was quite huge, wasn't it? Then January 1995, nuclear Armageddon. So this time around, we have new characters into play. Norwegian scientists and their American colleagues launched a rocket designed to study the northern lights. So what happened to the Russians? The rocket looked exactly like an American tried a nuclear missile. And I mean, it followed the same trajectory as, it, you know, their satellite path. So now the Russians are all like, mm-hmm. the estimated flight time to Moscow was under 10 minutes, which left very little time for the Russian warning center to decide whether World War III had just started. So how close? The next day, Boris Yeltsin stated that he had activated his nuclear football, a device that allowed the Russian president to communicate directly with his top military advisors. The early warning control and command center switched to combat mode. For almost 10 minutes, Russia was armed and ready to end the world in a fiery flame ball of death. The cause? Norway had informed 35 countries of its intended experiment, including the Russians. The news had apparently reached the Russian defense ministry, but hadn't been passed into the early warning personnel. I find that pretty cool. See, not your cliche, how oh, is technology ruining the world? And it also just shows you that really, you know, um, politics could be the real death of humans here. Quite frankly, we were probably going to kill ourselves because how do we have so many nuclear slip-ups? Eventually, it's not going to be a slip-up. But until then, we take each day at a time in positive thinking. Maybe we might not die tomorrow. Maybe they might not start a nuclear war tomorrow. Who knows? So all this being said, um, I don't know, it just made me wonder like how many people given the chance would retire the use of technology altogether. But at the same time, who are we to fight change? You know, change is inevitable. So the modernization of technology in the world as a whole is going to occur. If not now, later. And it was always going to happen. So I wonder what the future will be like for our generation. Um, you know, the, the fact that it's, it's a possibility that driving could be eradicated, that we could have chips implanted in our children <laughs> to, to garner their whereabouts and see what they see, or the fact that we might not even need phones, or that, you know, dating could occur through an actual coach in your ear, and all these possibilities are quite strange. Like, what would be considered archaic about the way we live now? You know, the same way we consider Walkman's archaic, for example. Or even iPods at this stage are quite archaic. 
but i'm interested to see where it goes and i'm interested to hear people's thoughts on this issue and i don't know i find it fun to think about Especially in, you know, signing off this episode. And I'm still going to implement that quote saying that I liked. But, you know, for each topic, the marriage and the technology topic. First, it's very hard to find one that combined the both of them. So I looked at them separately. And I found two that I liked for each. So in regards to marriage, the first quote is by Khalid Hussini. Who says, marriage can wait. Education cannot. And then the second one is from Oscar Wilde. And he says, Never marry at all, Dorian. Men marry because they are tired. Women, because they are curious. Both are disappointed. Then in regards to technology, I have one from Nassim Nicholas Talib, who says, The difference between technology and slavery is that slaves are fully aware that they are not free. And then another one, by Jess C. Scott, who says, Nin knew how much humans loved money, riches and material things, though he could never really understand why the more technologically advanced the human species got, the more isolated they seemed to become at the same time. It was alarming how humans could spend entire lifetimes engaged in all kinds of activities without getting any closer to knowing who they really were inside. And on that note, I'll see you guys next episode.